0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Report, Season 8, this time with my good friend Paul Jarvis, who happened to write and author a new book called Company of One. So I had him on the show to talk about that and sort of explore that whole process, what it's like to sort of come up with this idea, shop the idea, get somebody to take you on board and publish a book with. How do you get it to market? Uh, we talked about how some of like his marketing efforts are are even better than, you know, some of these bigger uh, branded publishers that are out there. And, and, and that was a great sort of insight to see that a lot of the stuff that we all do as marketers and like these grassroots movements of getting people onto an email list, doing a course, um, doing some videos, like all that stuff is is still really helpful. And even at the higher echelons of what we would perceive to be just higher end marketing and publisher folks, they're not doing that stuff. And Paul talks about how he's taken it onto some of his own accord to get that stuff. Paul also does a ton of things <laughs> on the software side. Uh, he's got Get Fathom, which is a which is a. Um, Uh, analytics an open source analytics platform that is like more simplified version of google analytics it talks about uh, how he uh, opens up the data so that you know you're not being tracked like a google analytics so we get into uh, all the nitty-gritty of that we talk about his uh, courses plugin that he has for wordpress so uh, his podcast a whole wealth of things i really hope you enjoy this episode as we move along I think it might stop talking about WordPress so much, right? Uh, there's a ton of WordPress podcasts out there. I still have a bunch of uh, YouTube videos that I'll do on WordPress, but I don't think the Matt Report moving forward is going to be pure WordPress. I don't know, what, what do you think? Tweet at me, at Matt Medeiros. Let me know what you think about just you know moving on and broadening our horizons here to just covering more things digital. Um, people who are doing things in the digital space, uh, not just WordPress, That's where I feel like I really want to go uh, into 2019 and beyond. Don't forget to subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe. Number one way to stay connected. Let's get into the
1: episode. Yeah, so I've worked for myself for 20 years. I started uh, making websites, I guess, in the 90s. And then people started paying me, like uh, professional athletes, uh, Microsoft, Mercedes-Benz, Warner Music. And then I transitioned into making websites for online entrepreneurs like uh, Marie Forleo, Danielle Laporte, Chris Carr, and I now basically do products. I've moved away from client work on WordPress to making products, and all my products run on WordPress sites for the marketing side. So I do things like uh, courses, books, and software products now. I'd imagine that writing a book,
0: publishing a book, getting all that uh, over the overhead of creating a book uh, took some time. How long did it take to do this?
1: Yeah, so it actually took a lot longer because I went their traditional publishing route. So working with with two publishers, one in the US, one in the UK, definitely took a longer time than I'm used to, because I've published, I think, five self-published books, and then this one's traditionally published. I think I went two years from writing the book proposal with my agent to it being out, because I think... Her and I started the proposal in January 2017, and the book came out January 15th, 2019. So he yeah, has about two years, which seemed like a long time, but then as it was like December of 2018, I was like, oh, no, there's not enough time.
0: Oh, no. Uh, I was that guy in school where, you know, hey, projects due in six months. No worries. No worries. I've got plenty of time. Oh no. And then it was like day one, day day you know, 75 and I'm like, I, I guess I should start this thing. Um, I asked the question because I'm sure this is a heavy undertaking and I want to talk about it uh, deeper as we move on, but a lot has changed in WordPress over this time. Have Have you been able to keep up while doing a book uh, and keep up with like everything else? You know, you go, you go two weeks and all of a sudden uh, there's a new, you know, like JS framework and you have to kind of learn it all. <laughs> uh, have
1: you been able to keep up with everything while doing all of this? No, and your audience will hate me, but I haven't even looked at Gutenberg yet. (laughs) Like it's all like it is literally on my list, especially for the plugin that I sell. I need to like we need to make blocks for it. Haven't yet. I just haven't like I need to like basically the way my business works is I do is just me and I guess for the WordPress plugin uh, partner, but it's. It's mostly just me and partners or freelancers that I work with. So it's a ridiculously tiny business. And I only do like one thing at a time. So the WordPress plugin is coming back up to like the thing that I focus on for a couple weeks. But it's we're not at that point yet. So I ha- no, I haven't been able to keep up. <laughs> and it's I, I've wanted to. And I just have like, dude, I've probably done about 130, 140 interviews in the last couple weeks. Months, <laughs> it's just Jesus. been. My life has been very uh, overwhelmed with with the with the book launch, but that'll that'll pass, mm-hmm. and then I can get back to other things. I need to work on another version of my analytics software as well, which also <laughs> needs some needs some work, and I. Oh, I have to update the WordPress plugin for you're it. You're adding to my to-do list today, Matt, and I hate you. Yes, you're going
0: to walk away from this. Uh, maybe quite quite saddened or stressful uh, before you begin. And, and I'm actually also interested to learn more about the software product. Um, but, you, you know... And let me just side note sidebar here most of my audience will will actually be relieved you haven't touched gutenberg yet (laughs) because a lot of folks uh haven't uh really taken too well to the concept to the idea um you know obviously a lot changed with the editing experience It, it presumably made a boatload more work for folks who didn't necessarily want to learn more things around the holiday season um but uh you know it's, it sounds like the dust is settling a bit on that front. Um, I'm just curious to know if, uh, uh, maybe how do you reintegrate yourself into the WordPress world? Like, is there something, obviously we've heard some of these tasks are a little bit overwhelming, but is there something out there that's that you're still scratching your head about? Like, boy, where am I even gonna begin to dive back into the WordPress pool at this point?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it, and it, this just seems to be the trend. I mean, this is like old man internet shaking his fist at everything mm-hmm. but like i remember <laughs> i love starting sentences like this <laughs> i remember in the good old days of web development when it was like front end was html css maybe like a smattering of javascript like pre jquery even so a smattering of that and then back end was like php cgi like a couple that like it wasn't very many things and now it's like oh, I got to like compile my CSS and I've got to have like pre processor like there's just all of this stuff. Like it feels like development has gotten so much more complicated. Even like, even WordPress, like making blocks, like I just, I've only quickly looked at it. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but like I've been theming and doing plugin stuff for a long time, just like PHP. Like I can basically write a a theme from scratch and then I just google (laughs) like oh I need what's that function I just look it up and now it seems like it's a lot more complicated but I also feel like it's kind of good like I don't know if it's entirely good because I haven't done it yet but I just look at all of these like page layout builders and because I sell a plugin that a lot of people buy that use page layout builders and I won't name any by name but a lot of them are really not good or not well-coded or affect metadata in my plugin. And it's not their plugin, it's my plugin. So I have to support page builders and layout builders that people aren't paying me for. And so I just feel like if there's gonna be like a path forward, that seems smart. That seems like it'll reduce the amount of support I'll have to do for a plugin that I sell that has nothing to do with page layouts. Like it's literally just, adding buttons to courses so students can mark lessons as complete or not in a WordPress course. So that has nothing to do with building a, a, like a, a page layout, but all of these plugins and there's so many of them and I basically have to know how all of them work. And it's like, oh, if Gutenberg can just like take care of this and reduce the level of support I have to do, I will actually be happy. I know I have to learn it still, but like, I will be happy if that's the case.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I th- think that is some- something that WordPress itself is uh, it sorely needs to compete against. You know, the <clears throat> alternatives out there, and, and even the you know the, the word I've been highlighting for years now. Is experience and mm-hmm. it's the experience of a user uh, uh, experiencing WordPress. And it's, it's either through your product, right? Maybe somebody stumbles across your, your plugin, like, wow, like uh, this is great. I, I, now I, I've, I've found the, the icing on the cake here. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna invest in this WordPress thing. This buttons everything up for me. And then, oh, by the way, this page builder says I can, I can do whatever I want with it. So this sounds great too. And then they make the smattering of, of technologies together and the experience isn't fun, and, and they don't maybe tend to blame you or the page builder. They just blame WordPress, and they say, boy, WordPress is difficult. You know, yeah. This experience of WordPress was very difficult for me. I didn't know where to look. There was nobody really helped me uh, besides going to one vendor to the next. And I really truly believe that uh, Gutenberg will, will at least take the first step to bridge that massive ravine <laughs> that, that users have to cross. Um, but I think what a lot of people are missing, <clears throat> uh, or maybe not now nowadays, but to create this great experience uh, that WordPress needs, um, I think we all might need to start losing a little bit of control <laughs> over what yeah. we as product makers can introduce into WordPress. Um, you know, think Android versus Apple. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the experience of Android is... Or I should say the the footprint of Android is very vast. Lots of phones, lots of manufacturers, but the experience is very different across them. Uh, and then you have Apple. It's just Apple. It's just Apple hardware, and the experience is purely Apple, which is great. The pre, you know, you pay a p- premium price. Mm-hmm. And um, I think some of these decisions, uh, and maybe you've been too far away from WordPress to kind of see this stuff happening over the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think that it's it's. It's smart for for WordPress to head in that direction. Uh, I'm just sort of worried that hey, as you and I, small product owners in the WordPress space, uh, we might start to see some different uh, mandates coming down, saying hey, guess what, things are going to be done a little bit differently around here. Um, I don't know, but I think it's going to be something that really helps the
1: project move forward in the long run. Uh, yeah, a- agree, disagree? Uh, yeah, I think I think it comes down to like the who who they're going after and i mean if this makes it easier for the users but a bit more work for developers or product owners that's maybe not the worst thing like even dude i remember i'm like old man internet again but like i remember when cms's came about (laughs) (laughs) man you're old dumb oh man but like i remember when it went from just like building static page by page maybe with like a header.php and a footer.php. But like, I remember when it went from building websites for clients that were static to like CMSs and so many internet professionals were like, I'm going to be out of a job. I'm going to be out of a job. I'm like, why? Like, no, you're not. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's not how it works. I think that if we, yeah, like it, it, the, the, the people that we're making the money off of are the end users and we want the experience to be good. And like you were saying, like if they have to install like one less plugin to get the ability to be able to make things look the way they want it, like we have to go so far on our plugin site to say like we don't, our plugin isn't supported with the following uh, layout builders because they ruin our plugin. We can't support it. And I hate having to say like, it doesn't work with this and it doesn't work with that. When I would rather, like I wish it would and I wish I could support that. And if it was just like, I just if you have an online course and it's in WordPress and you can use our plugin, I wish it was that easy. And I hope that it moves towards that for sure. Publishing company of well, actually no. Before let me let me let me just step
0: take one step back before we we talk about uh, some of the pieces I enjoyed about this book. <clears throat> um, talk to me about the stats project that you have, or company product that you have. Where the heck is yeah. it? How has it been? <laughs> uh, and how do you plan to? Uh, approach it or tackle it in 2019. If you can sum that yeah. up in 30 seconds, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just, so the, the, yes, kidding. exactly. So the product is called
1: <laughs> Fathom Analytics. Yep. And the basic premise is that uh, there's two problems with Google Analytics. The first is it's too complicated. And Fathom is a single screen. It's a single dashboard. It gives you far less data, but just as useful data. And the second issue is that Google is an advertising company where we are the product because we don't pay for their product. And so every time, I think Google Analytics is installed on like 20, 25% of websites online, or they have 20 to 25% of websites online have some kind of Google script on their site, meaning that Google can see not only what your site is doing, but what the people who go to your site are doing, which is scary. So fathom do you know who number two is uh no because number two is probably so tiny well let me tell you it's jet. it's okay it's
0: it's (laughs) jetpack so it's our friends at automatic collecting stats but go ahead
1: continue so the, the the second issue that's really interesting i didn't know that um the second issue is that we want to give we don't feel like analytics Requires giving up personal information. So, mm-hmm. the way that Fathom works is it's aggregate data. So, we don't show you any information about any individual person who comes to the site or does things. We just say, like, these are the top pages, these are the top refers, this is the bounce rate without collecting any IP address, country, location, demographic information. So, it's all like GDPR, e privacy, e cookie compliant. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems like a nicer way to do stats. Actually, does, does Jetpack collect any personal data? You're going to learn a lot today because there was a recent <laughs> release on okay. all
0: of the stats, or excuse me, all of the data points, or at least I'd, I'd imagine what they've, um, you know, what they've made visible uh, to us. Uh, I'll try to take up the link and send it to you after the show. Um, but they're doing some questionable things like replicating your entire site, or at least the content and the structure of it on their own servers, even after you... Remove the product. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, clones of your site are still lingering around uh, the Jetpack uh, uh, archives. So, kind of huh. interesting stuff.
1: That is. That kind of reminds me of how AMP works, where AMP pages mm-hmm. rank higher in Google, but it, the content to serve from Google, not you. So, it's like, what are we? What are we? What are we willing to trade? Right. Right. And so, yeah. <laughs> fathom. Just the, the 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 quick roadmap is we launched it as a free product, so it's on GitHub. Um, it did really well, like it was number two on product hunt, number two on hacker news for a long time. Um, people really liked it, and then we launched a paid version and the paid version. it kind of works like WordPress, where if you want the free version, it's open source, you just grab it, install it, set it up yourself. If you want the paid version, you pay a tiny bit of money, we host it and maintain it for you and I, I would imagine out of all of the things that you
0: do, like do you look at this one as like this is this is the Endgame. I, I know I don't want I don't really like to use that phrase for you in particular But in terms of like a product a piece of software like this to me It it, it sounds like the, the big the big tuna in the room like this thing could be pretty big and, and pretty powerful and uh, You know not only grow really well and earn lots of money <laughs> But also take <laughs> a lot of time uh, and energy to run something like this as it scales
1: Yeah, it's funny. So you mentioned time So the WordPress plugin that I sell, WP Complete, that has probably 20 to 30 support requests a week, and it does low four figures a month in terms of revenue. Fathom does just slightly less revenue, but it has maybe one or two support requests a month, Hmm. and half of those are just feature asks. Hmm. So... It requires, almost, it requires almost no support, which is great because it doesn't do anything. Like it, it literally gives you a few stats, which I think are important stats. You, could, you install the code on your site or you install a WordPress plugin and just put in the, like your user code and then it adds the code to your footer automatically. And we don't really want, our plan isn't to add a ton of features to it. Like our plan is to keep it simple like it's simple now, it only tracks a few things. We're adding events and users. Hmm. And I can't think of what else we'd be adding this year. So it's going to be very, it's going to be very small in terms of a feature set. And the growth of it has been decent, but entirely organic. And we're actually pretty happy (laughs) with where it's at. So yeah, I mean, it could turn out to be something huge, but It's not like if it does scale in that way, it also shouldn't, I would assume, scale a ton in terms of like, oh, we need to hire like eight more people. Right. It'd be like if we if we brought on like another thousand users, we may need like a part time support person.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because most of the people that are that are using this one would imagine are, are more technical uh, in the first place right it's not like they've stumbled um, upon well this.
1: no the technical people would have installed the code themselves yeah. from github so these people but they they do have like they do care okay. about privacy and i found that the people who care about privacy do have a higher level of technical understanding because they understand the importance of privacy online so yeah i think you're right in that regard they do have a bit more but they're like a lot of the people that pay for fathom aren't programmers because if they were they were just like Spin up a like DigitalOcean instance with Fathom running on it, and set up uh, NGINX and and be off to the races. Got it,
0: got it. That makes yeah. sense. Um, <clears throat> let's transition to the book because a lot of this stuff is 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 your mantra, right? The re- the reason why maybe you don't look as Fathom. I think some people look at Fathom. And they go, okay, well, what <laughs> when <laughs> are you getting that? that first, uh, uh, seed round or, uh, how much did you get from your angel and when are you going to go for that first series a and look for investors? Um, I think many people look at that from the outside and as a natural next step, I know a lot of folks, um, that I've talked to in the past, uh, look at that and I guess that's okay for them. Not okay for you or just not the route you want to go for this type of product. Um,
1: yeah somebody's already offered us a substantial amount of i'd investment. imagine I mean, yeah i mean i and would imagine. I talked to my i talked to my co-founder and i was like well that's kind of cool he's like yeah of course it's cool i'm like what would we do with the money and he was like i don't do you know and i'm like no like what would change and we're like we might be able to put a bit more of each of our time towards it but we don't really need to because it, it going slowly makes it easier to do things properly so it's like it wouldn't make any difference. So why would we give up some control of our company just for a bit of money that we don't need? Yeah, right. <laughs> which is kind of the per. Which is the thesis of the book.
0: Right. Right. Uh, why? Why? Why, Paul? <laughs> why, why write a book amongst all of the stuff you have in front of you? Why did you do it? Why did you say yes? Uh, did somebody convince you? Uh, did you lose? Uh, did you lose a game of uh, of horse on the basketball court? <laughs> Why did you decide to go into this uh, heavy investment, I, I would imagine, both mentally and uh, physically to, to get a book out uh, amongst all of the other things that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I lose every game of horse I play. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just, so for the longest time, like I've always kind of had this idea that I don't want to grow my business even when it's successful and i think a lot of people assume that business success equals business growth and i've never thought that and i was always like i'm just a weirdo who thinks this way like i'm just some weird canadian living in the woods on an island who really cares about like digital privacy but then i wrote about it and i've had a news a weekly newsletter for the last 6 years where i just share an article i write every sunday and so I wrote about it and I think the article was called, and this was like two and a half years ago. And I wrote an article and I think I called it something like why I don't care about growth. And I was just like, I'm just going to explain my weird take on business. People aren't going to get it, but I just feel like this is something I feel like I just need to share to get it off my chest and be done with it. And I usually get I don't know, 150, 200 replies to my Sunday dispatch emails that one I think I got like 1200 1300 replies to it and it was people saying like I thought I was the only one who didn't want to grow like my business into a massive company or I thought I was the only one who wanted to grow my business to the right size and and then optimize for that size and I was like wow there's, <laughs> there's like a lot of people who feel this way and then I was like I'm just gonna go find like I'm just gonna go look for a book that talks about this and then I can just like tell people to go read that and there wasn't one and I was like oh no I guess I'm writing that book right and that's really like that's really what it came from and it was like well why isn't anybody talking about this and then that little voice is like hey if nobody's talking about this you should talk about this <laughs> and I was like really to that voice and it was like really and, and yeah, and, and
0: so how does one? I and mean, Did you have connections in? You know, I'm just sort of fascinated how one gets you know paper printed these days uh, for this kind of thing. Do you have to shop the idea? Do you know somebody who says, you know, hey, let's look at the idea and 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 do like a uh, like a thesis paper before they say yes to taking you on board? What what does that look like for those who might be interested on in, interested in publishing their own book?
1: Sure, sure. So if you self publish, just do it. Like that's, it's as easy as that. It's easy to use create space. If you want to print books on demand through Amazon, you don't have to carry inventory. KDP is great for publishing Kindle books on Amazon. You do not need any gatekeeper or anybody to say, okay, to your idea to do those things. I've done those things five times. I've made decent money and sold a lot of I think I've sold like 70,000 books self-publishing nice like you can do it it's easy to do it if you want to write a book and publish a book that way just do it easy if you want to go the traditional route which is what I did for this book and I don't even think it's the right route it was just the route that I wanted to try this time I needed so first you need to find an agent a literary agent and they're you basically have to pitch yourself and your idea and your audience size to them first, because really they're only going to say yes to an author that they think they can sell the idea to a publisher. And the publisher is only going to say yes to an author via an agent if they think they can make money off of that author. So a lot of it comes down to, I have a pretty substantial size mailing list that I talk to regularly every Sunday for six years. And I have, um, social media. I guess I have Twitter and I'm not on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn but I do have an okay following uh, on Twitter as well. And I know a lot of other authors and really like, that's what it comes down to is like, who do you know and who do you reach? Because they don't want to sign people where they're, where it's like, oh, I don't know if it's a good idea. So once you find an agent um, and they're like, yeah, let's work together. Cause they're like, yeah, I can make money off of this person. You write a book proposal, which is kind of like writing the book in short form without writing the book. Like you say, like in this chapter, I will cover these studies these interviews, these points. And then in the book proposal itself, you talk about like, I reach this number of people on these platforms. This is my open rate. This is the breakdown of demographics. So it's almost like a business plan for a book Mm. that you have to write. And then your agent shops it to publishers. Uh, Luckily, in my case, two publishers were interested. So it could have like we could have turned it into a bidding war, like a like a real estate thing. Like I watched a Million Dollar Listing last night. So it's on my brain. <laughs> you could have like somebody following you, like you know, vlogging the whole thing, and you're taking the phone calls and raising the price. Exactly. But one of the so I talked to both of the editors at the publishers that wanted to work with me. They were both phenomenal people. One of them was Cal Newport's editor, and I'm the biggest Cal Newport fanboy. I think Deep Work and So Good are two of the best right. books. And I was like, well, if this guy is good enough for Cal, <laughs> he's good enough for me. <laughs> and so I was, I was like, I told my agent, I'm like, they don't need to like resubmit bids to see who's going to be the highest one. I just want to work with this, this publisher because he seems awesome and he's worked with Cal and that's great and that's good enough for me. So let's move forward. Nice. And then it takes, yeah, it. T- I think it took me about three or four months to write the book, but then there's like three or four months of press I I wrote produced and recorded a podcast for the book I created a like online course for the book and community for the book running on discourse the the course runs on WordPress obviously with my plugin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but question that's about the, that so I've yeah. always seen you know
0: uh, us internet folks here where we're the ones that have been doing marketing for so long and, and we look at the publishing industry or any I guess quote-unquote traditional old school industry we say we know what we're doing we're going to make that podcast we're going to make a a a youtube series to supplement this um we're going to do a course did you have all of those ideas and you brought to them or did they are they uh, up to speed these days of of good marketing mechanics to to inform you to do that kind of thing
1: no they are not okay so their area of expertise is things like, oh, well, you want to write like an op-ed piece for the New York Times, and they probably have connections there. Or like, oh, we got your book reviewed in these publications that every book reviewer for magazines reads, so we'll get you in there. Or we can get like, my book is sold at Target and Walmart. I don't know how that even happens, <laughs> but because I have a publisher who has distribution, like I get pictures from people who see my book in bookstores all over the world. And like, I don't know how that happened, right. but my publisher does because they have distribution channels and that's cool. I don't have any, like people, people contacted me and are like, oh, I haven't got my book yet. I'm like, oh, I, what? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm so many steps removed from that. Like if you ordered it from somewhere, then contact those people. Cause I have no say. Same with the price. It's like, I don't, I can't affect the price on Amazon. Right. (laughs) Like my publisher can't even Amazon sets the prices for things for books on Amazon, not even the publisher. So, so when they hear you bring up these ideas or
0: do, are they not even in those types of meetings? But I'm just curious how they react to somebody who's like doing all these extra, I, I guess I would call extra things, uh, to promote the book stuff that I think is the smart way to do it. Um,
1: Can I tell you a story that could get me in trouble? Sure.
0: This is what the Matt Report is all about. (laughs) Yes.
1: So they're basically okay with doing things that sell books. Yeah. So I had a pre-order campaign on the book's website. And if they registered a copy of their, like if they registered their pre-order, like put in your name, where you bought it, what the order ID was from Amazon. And this is just like a form in WordPress that connects to MailChimp. And if they did that, they got a bunch of bonuses. One of the bonuses was chapter, the prologue in chapter one of the book, like five months before the book came out. I didn't ask my publisher for this. And technically, they own the rights for distribution of the content of the book. But <laughs> I was like, I would rather just ask for forgiveness than permission and because the pre-order campaign did so well they were pleased that i did that it would probably have been a different conversation if it hadn't have gone well and sold thousands of copies in the pre-sale so i just feel like i definitely like i do digital marketing for a living i launch products for a living like i make money making and launching things on the internet so like the publisher wouldn't know to put the book on product Hunt. But I do. And I got it to number two on Product Hunter. For some reason, I never get to number one on Product Hunter Hacker (laughs) News. For Fathom, for Company One, for anything. I'm always number two. Sick fiddle. But yeah, like all of those things, like it helps me as the author to do as much as possible. So then I can earn up my advance and start making money on royalties. Right right like that's the that's 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 what i want to do this is a product i want to make money off the product i already pre-made money by getting an advance but i want to earn that out and start making money off of the books as soon as possible because i got the advance years ago now smack dab in the middle of the book it's
0: the first sentence of chapter six and it says in high school i was a kid that everyone picked on day after day i'd get made fun of or someone would lure me into a fight i figured my personality was the weakest part of who I was and attempted to hide it as much as I could. Uh, and of course, the chapter goes on to expand upon how it's actually your your strength is your personality. Um, there, That sentence just like really impacted me because number one, like I was always the short fat kid in high school. I wasn't necessarily picked on. I was sort of like somewhere in the middle kind of thing. I certainly wasn't going out and playing sports with any of my friends. Uh, I was unathletic uh, at that time. And uh, I didn't have the confidence, uh, interestingly enough. And I grew up in the car sales business. My family owned a couple car dealerships. And, uh, you know, right around that age where you're where uh, your, the male brain begins to mature and understand what's happening. <laughs> what uh, age is that? <laughs> I don't the even male know. It was like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was thrown into, into car sales, right? And doing sales. I grew yeah. up in the business washing cars. Well, I grew up in the business cleaning the lot to washing cars, to delivering parts, to working in service. And then uh, the consumer internet age came about and there was this thing called the internet. And they were like, hey, we need an internet manager. And I went to sales and that really accelerated my thick skin, my confidence, my personality, that kind of thing. Um, I think this is such like personality and people being afraid to do things and doubting themselves is like 90% of, you know, (laughs) starting a business, (laughs) you know, aside from the product, uh, aside from legal and accounting, it's like you have to own
1: who you are, why you're doing it um ha, ha. those are things that can't be replicated as easy right like right. somebody could look at my wordpress plugin for courses and be like i could code that right right easy like code that in a couple of days done but like replicating the connection that i have with my audience is very different or like how i did a survey a couple years ago uh with my mailing list and i think it was statistically relevant like I got thousands of replies which just boggled my mind And one of the questions I asked, it was just one of these like throw-in questions that I just thought of off the top of my head and I typed it in a type form. One of the questions that I asked was, why did you buy from me? And like it it was just something that like I just thought of and put it in and forgot about it till I got the answers. And I was looking at the answers. And I'm like, this is probably the most important question I've ever asked. Sure. Because like when you think about it, it's like there's a gazillion like WordPress hosting companies, there's a gazillion business books, there's a gazillion like SaaS companies, why do people buy from the specific, like why is somebody going to read my business book or my philosophy book about business? It's not really a business book. Like why is somebody going to read that as opposed to this other one or this other one or this one or this new one or this old one? And the number one answer that people said uh, for like why they bought things from me. And the answer was like, because I was the one who created it because they'd gotten to know my personality and I'm a weird dude. And like they'd gotten to trust me through the the way that I express my personality. So in the beginning in high school, I was like, this is the worst part about me. And then as I started to do like sales and marketing and putting myself out there on the internet, like it's not all rainbows and butterflies. But still, it's like it's the thing that draws people in. Like it's the thing that makes people be like, oh, I want to talk to Paul or I want to buy Paul's course or Paul's software as opposed to somebody else's. Like somebody else launched a privacy focused analytics platform on product on, on the exact same day as Fathom came out. And luckily they're, they're like a transparent company as well. So they post their MRR and like our, and it's not even bragging but ours is, substantially higher and i think the reason that both are both are great products like I, the guy's a the guy's a good are both are very similar and they're both good products but because i had an audience of people that i had built a relationship with and built trust with and shared my personality with more of those people bought it than just like random looky-loos on on product hunter hacker news so you get to the end of this run,
0: you publish the book, you do 3,000 interviews, you appear on the Ellen
1: Show. I'm on the Ellen Show right now. Oh, this
0: is great. Let's well, say <laughs> hi. Um, at the end of the day, when the dust settles, it, when you take that deep breath, sit back and say, yeah, this, this was a success. What does that look like in your eyes, the success of this book uh, in the, once, once all of the calm
1: uh, comes into play? Yeah, I mean, it looks like me sitting by a pool in Palm Springs, (laughs) not working, to be honest. Like, that's what it... But like, really, man, like, I just... Like, the the reason I wrote the book is because I think that, and it's a shame that some people are put off from starting a business or, or making a product or doing something in business because they're like, well business looks like this one thing or like a business leader looks like this one type of person or like if I'm going to start a business, I don't want to like have offices and employees. And so maybe I shouldn't like, maybe I just shouldn't start. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And I think it's a shame if we're putting people off of entrepreneurialism before they even start, because we're giving them this like one track, this rapid growth, or like, you got to be like a dominant A type personality instead of some weird dude covered in tattoos who likes pet rats like me. Like (laughs) I want people to see that there are options in business. Like I run my business like no other business. And tons of people do that. It might not get all of the press on like TechCrunch, but like I still make a great living. I still have a comfortable life for myself and my family. And like it's doable to do things the way that you want to do them. If it's your business, you should be able to make the decisions and the rules and, and, and set the boundaries. And I think that like if people come away from if people come away from like knowing that that's the case, then I'll be happy. I don't care if it's five people, five hundred people, whatever. As long as there's enough people to just get me to palm springs <laughs> in front of a pool. It doesn't even matter what size, nice whatever get GoFundMe looks like. Exactly. Yeah. So like if if a couple people, if enough people read that and, and get that lesson from it, I'll be stoked. That's a success. Book is called Company of One. It's written by our friend
0: talking to us today, Paul Jarvis. Uh, it's got two different book covers in the U.S. and in the U.K. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, different publishers. Different. They don't like each other's art, oh. so they make new designs. I didn't even know this going in. Because I'm like, why is it? Because people keep, they're like, well, which book should I buy? I'm like, it's the same content. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever I heard the write phrase? I <laughs> uh, did you write two books. Did you zero. have a hand at, at the artwork, or is that something nope, that they zero. they just bring on artists for it? you have to kind of yeah, take it they yeah i i'd take it Okay, that's basic <laughs> so as long as but here's the thing like the book cover isn't for me i don't care if i like it or not right i care if the right people pick it up and read it because of that so if that's the case i'm happy with the cover if it's not the case i told you so the cover sucks yeah <laughs> <Both> <laughs> so covers. it's one of those two things well i think both covers look great uh you can find it uh, of course
0: at uh, well is there a preferred location you tell us is there a preferred location folks should go to buy the book
1: of co has a list of all the places that you can get. Well, a list of most of the places you can get it. Or if you like to support indie bookstores, go find it there. It should be there. And if not, they can get a copy of it for you quickly. Paul, I wish you
0: all of the success in the world. I hope you do end up, uh, <laughs> you know, down uh, on the beach overlooking your successes. Uh, where can folks find you
1: to say thanks? Uh, my newsletter. Uh, pjrvs.com Sunday Dispatches or on Twitter pjrvs it's mostly sarcasm tweets You're, you've are you been warned it's mostly sarcasm tweets to you This <laughs> was gonna say not. sometimes I just
0: reply to those emails and I'm just like it's like 7 in the morning I'm just waking up and I'm like let me just throw him a curveball see if he's awake sure enough he is Oh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Thanks Paul for joining us. It's MattReport.com. MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Number one way to stay connected. If you want to leave us a five-star review in iTunes, that'd be great. I'm trying to beat out this guy called Paul Jarvis. He's also in iTunes. I'm trying to get more (laughs) five stars than him. Let's see if we can make it happen. We'll see you in the next episode.